Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I found out that you have to do some things uh, in life to, uh, and some of these teachers will know this terminology, to fill your bucket. <laughs> in fact, uh, teachers kind of <clears throat> raise an eyebrow when they hear that sometime because that may have been overdone a time or two in some schools, uh, bucket fillers, but you have to take the, the uh, initiative to do some things that, that fill your bucket. David, whenever he came back to Ziglag and the enemy had taken the, their wives and their children and their possessions and his own people, he didn't ask anybody to follow him, but that crowd sought him out to follow him. And then after they sought him out, I think it was 600 uh, men that had sought him out to follow him. After he had done that, and they came to Ziglag and left, they all blamed David, and then they wanted to stone him. And here's what the Bible says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I've found out through the years you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. And different things help different people. But for me, I have found a lot, now a lot of people think this might be Satan's tool, but I'm going to tell you, I have found that YouTube is a tool that God can use to help you. So the other day, uh, when I'm getting ready, I often put on preaching. I'll, I'll just find, rather than just find a preacher on TV, I'll find preaching of people I like on YouTube and cast it up to my television set. And occasionally I'll do music. And the other day, I stumbled across a, a live Happy Goodman concert from 1974. And I want you to know they sung me happy. Amen. Amen. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not Vestal. I'm about to get her size. In fact, I'm about to be Howard's size. But, uh, but uh, I, I am going to sing you a song that, that was popular uh, that they sang because it, it blessed me so much and maybe it'll bless you. Now, we, we practiced this for a total of five and a half minutes, didn't we? So we're going to see how it goes. Amen. In fact, Kojak back there <laughs> said, if it ain't working, I'm leaving and taking the, taking the musicians with us. But maybe it'll work out. Worship the Lord as we try to sing, God Walks the Dark Hills. God Walks the Dark Hills. The ways, the byways He walks through the billows Of life's troubled sea And He walks in the cold, dark night The shadows of midnight God walks the dark Just to guide you and me God walks the dark hills To guide my footsteps He walks everywhere By night and by day God walks the dark hills. 
just to show me the way. Can you testify to that? Amen. Praise God. God walks in the storm, in the rain and the sunshine. He still walks in the shadows or through glimmering light. He helps me walk up the mountains so high, cross rivers through valleys. God walks the dark hills cause he loves you and me. Sing it with me. God walks the dark hills to guide my footsteps. He walks everywhere by night and by day. He walks in silence on down the highway. God dark hills just to show me the way he walks in silence on down the highway God walks the dark hills just to show me the way Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. Thank you, guys. Good job. We sounded like the hee-haw gospel quartet. Amen. Genesis 5, 24. I want to speak to us if you not on the subject, the walk. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The walk. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we're praying that you'd touch us in these devotional thoughts tonight. Praying that you'd speak to us. We're praying that the Spirit of God would add its seal to the preaching of the word. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray, amen, amen, and amen. We live in a world of constant noise. In fact, there's a word for that called noise pollution. I will have to say, and I know different people like different types of music, but there are a couple of different kinds of music that are popular today that to me are not music, they're noise pollution. We're constantly bombarded day in, day out with noise. In fact, we can't even go to sleep without a machine that plays white noise. We've got an uh, uh, a, uh, uh, Amazon, what's it called? Echo. In our house, Crystal for Christmas bought us four of them. So we've got one in the kitchen, one in our bedroom. The kids each have one in their bedroom. And it's a neat little thing. 
but you can't not ask it to play noise to get you to sleep. So I, I have the sounds of rain every night and turn it down real, real low. But I go into Cameron's room to wake him up in the morning, and all night long he has white noise, you know, the playing all night long. There's noise everywhere that we turn. I, perhaps you're not this way, but it, it does seem that one of the first things that I do uh, in the morning when I get up and I start getting ready is I'll turn on the news and listen to the news. And because of a 24-hour news cycle, if you watch that news long enough, you're going to hear, you know, you're going to hear Brian <laughs> kill me, give you the same three stories in a 30-minute span. Noise everywhere you go, all the time, all the time. And maybe you desire solitude. Maybe you enjoy quiet, peace and quiet. Well, you're not going to get it if you get outside of your house. That's for sure. But one of the things that happens to me, I don't know if it happens to you, often I'll be in town driving, I'll stop at a red light, and the person beside me is so generous of spirit that they want to share the music they enjoy with me. So they have the bass turned up real loud, and I'm sitting there in my, now I like, I like uh, music that calms me because inside I'm already like this most of the time. I'm kind of wired tight that way. You might not know that, but I'm kind of like that on the inside, like jelly. In fact, the outside is starting to resemble the inside. I can dance for 10 minutes by stomping my foot once, right? But I kind of quiver on the inside a little bit sometimes. And, and so I'll, I'll listen to music that is soothing in my car. Crystal gets tired of it. She thinks it gets a little boring sometimes. But I like, I like soothing music. But somebody be come up beside me and they got that bass turned up and it's going boom, 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 boom. And it's shaking me in my seat. Does that bother anybody else? It does me too. Crystal, I wish you'd do, stop doing that. There's noise everywhere that we go. I wonder sometimes if we have a need for constant noise because we don't like the voice that we hear when we're quiet. I wonder sometimes if it's the voice of our conscience. Sometimes it's the voice of condemnation. Sometimes it's coming from the enemy, but rather than fight the fight with him, we just distract ourselves and we create noise. When I sat down to watch TV, if you ever had me over to your house, and most of you have not, I don't know why, if you're ashamed of your house, cook me something and bring it to me, I'll eat it at my house. But if you ever had me over to your house, and if you have a surround sound on your TV, please notify me before you turn it on. It freaks me out for somebody to knock on a door in the living room TV and I hear it echoing in the kitchen. I'm not used to that. When I go out to visit, we go out to visit with Crystal's parents. Uh, they like to stay up. Her mom does usually like to stay up a little later. Uh, at least she used to. I think all of us are getting old enough now. We all go to bed earlier. But when I first used to go, her and Crystal like to stay up and watch a movie. And they've got one level. I don't know if any of you ever watched that old, old movie that uh, was about a rock band called Spinal Tap, and it was a comedy. 
and they, they wanted their amp to be louder than 10, so they just wrote an 11 there so they could have it louder than 10. Well, that's the way Crystal and her mom watch movies. They watch it at 11. So I'd be there trying to go to sleep in the next room, and it just, Grrr. The way they make movies today, I don't know if you have watched any action movies, but they make movies today, if you watch them on television, that you can't hear when they talk. But you can hear the gunshots. I mean, you can hear the noise. I mean, there's noise everywhere that we go. But I'm going to tell you, Crystal and I, as I said, we're about to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. And I can tell you that the longer we're together, the less need that we have for talking. That we can ride in the car and we don't have to talk. She's happy with that because I bore her when I talk. And usually the sermons you hear, she's already heard as we were riding in the car. But we don't have to talk as much, even around the house. It's just the sense of knowing that she's in the room. To see her pass by on the way to do something else. Just the sense of her being around. Leroy Spivey told me the other day, he said, you're going to get to the place where it's not just that you don't have to talk. You're going to get to the place you don't have to talk because you're thinking the same things. So I'm sorry. <laughs> There is something about intimacy that we have with individuals that you can spend time with them in the quiet. Now, it's wonderful to meet with God. In fact, I could say unequivocally that God is in this house tonight. How many of you came in the name of Jesus? All right, just as an individual, did you come in the name of Jesus? All right, look around at somebody else that's got their hand up. If you'll just go where that person is and the two of you get together, Jesus said, I'm there. That's the reason that I have problems sometimes when people are so restrictive in their idea of what constitutes church. Because I'm going to tell you, I run in at Walmart with a fellow believer and get to talk about Jesus, and we have church right there in the aisle in Walmart. Right? Because where two or three are gathered in his name, there he's in the midst. And it is wonderful to meet with God. It's wonderful to leave a service and say, God was with us. We felt him. We experienced him. His presence, his power was manifest. It is wonderful to meet to God. And it is wonderful to talk to God. The most underused privilege of the child of God is prayer. It's wonderful to talk to God. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. As I was on the way home today, I heard someone singing, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And I love that last verse that, that says, 
When from Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home and take my flight, this robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize and say while sailing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. What got me through this life into the next one was the time of prayer with the Lord. It's wonderful to talk to God. But as great as it is to meet with God, as wonderful as it is to talk to God, God's not after just meeting every once in a while. And he's not after just having a conversation or just listening to us talk. What God is after is the man or the woman that will walk with God. That's different than just meeting with him. That's different than just talking to him. When Crystal and I were dating, boy, we, we, we dated a long time before we got engaged. I think we dated three months before we got engaged. And then we had a long engagement. We lasted a month. Now, Crystal and I would not have gotten married as soon as we did if she had lived in Coffee County. We got married because she lived in Texas and I lived in Georgia. And I went out to Texas to run a revival and I met her there. And dog, if she didn't follow me back to Georgia. I want to tell you back in those days, I know it's hard, you to, hard for you to believe. Mom and daddy tell you the truth. I had them driving up from Jacksonville, Florida. I had them coming down from Cleveland, Tennessee. I had them flying out from Texas. I don't know. I just got it, I guess. But during that time that we met before we married, we got to meet a few times. And we talked every night on the phone. But it wasn't enough for me to meet her every once in a while. And it wasn't enough for me to talk to her every night on the phone. So we got married so we could date. And we've been dating 25 years. What I'm telling you, it is wonderful the times, the great experiences that we have with God where we know that we've been in the presence of God and we've met with God. I got such a blessing when I looked on uh, Facebook and saw that they had posted of the Church of God youth that are uh, up in Tennessee at Winterfest. And I looked and the place was just packed. And the altar service was given and kids were running to the altar. And what a great experience that is. Experiences that they'll never forget. Real experiences with Almighty God. Thank God for those times that we can look back and say, God met me there. And I am so grateful for the times that God has met me in my moment of need. I'm so glad I can, I can tell you now the time I can take you to the place where I met with God. And I can also tell you about the times that I needed to do some talking to God. My brother Travis likes to tell of how he would pull up at mom and dad's when I was 15, 16 years old and he would hear me out in the woods praying. And the reason I was out in those woods praying is because my granddaddy would say to me, 
come on, Britt. Papa B would say, come on, Britt. Let's go out in the woods and pray. He liked praying in the woods because he didn't get saved in the church house. He got saved at the brush arbor. So we'd find some tree stamp and he'd say, get down here now and let's talk to God. I'm going to tell you, he's never a preacher, but he was a prayer. And how wonderful those times that were formative in my life that I talked to God. But I'm going to tell you, it's another thing yet and still to walk with God. Wonderful to meet him, wonderful to talk to him, but Enoch walked with God. It was a priority in his life. It's God's priority. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now that scripture is a backward scripture. Everybody knows that you crawl before you walk. You walk before you run. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we can meet with God and experience God in such a way that it brings the enthusiasm into our life that we can take off and soar with the eagles. We can run, not, not a 40-yard dash, but a marathon. We can run and not be weary. But it puts at the apex of that scripture, not the soaring, not the running, but the daily walk. Walking and not fainting. That's the priority, is the daily walk with God. And then that Walking indicates a permanence. That walking with God has a permanence in our life. Now, I, I struggle with walking. That's one of the things I try to do in, in exercise. I tried to do it on the treadmill all these years, and I'm not coordinated enough for a treadmill. I'll just tell you. I hurt somebody, on a, usually me, on a treadmill. But I get out, and we, I walk around our house, and we, we've got some, some church members that live out close to us. I know, I know, Wayne, sometimes y'all see me walking around out in the yard and you think, that poor old, that idiot. What, should I stop and give him directions? I know that's what you think. But I'm trying to walk some of this off. But it's hard for me to remain consistent in that. But there was a permanency about Enoch's walk. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden that when Adam and Eve had sinned and they went and hid out in the woods and they'd sewed together fig leaves that the Bible says that God showed up in the cool of the day because God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day? That they had a time and they had a place that they walked together? That our walk with God is to be something that is permanent, it's to be a priority, it's to have permanence, and then it has a purpose. Amos 3 and 3 says this, How can two walk together except they be agreed? And so when I walk with God, I am placing myself in agreement with God. 
I will agree with what God says about salvation. I agree with what God says about the world. I agree with what God says about me. I agree with what God said about my past that he's casted as far as the east is from the west never to be remembered against me anymore. I agree with what God says about my future. I've looked in the back of the book and we win. I agree, I place myself in agreement when I walk with God. In fact, the Bible says Enoch walked with God and he was not. There comes a time that you walk with God often enough and you walk with God close enough that if you're walking side by side, that as you begin to walk and get further away from people, they no longer can distinguish between you and God. You merge on the horizon because you are walking. We want to be consumed with him and by him. And then walking indicates progress. That God, when we walk with God, he's walking toward something. I've heard this several times. I think maybe the first time I heard it was from my dad. I, I, I don't know the other people I heard it from. may have copied it from him. I don't know. But I remember him saying many years ago that the Christian life does not have any plateaus. And as we walk with God, walking with God is an uphill climb, isn't it? In fact, sometimes in walking with him, it's not only uphill, but in those mountain crags, we go through valleys of the shadow of death. But we don't have to worry about them because he's with us. And his rod and his staff, they comfort us. And so we walk with God and it is an up, it seems to be uphill all the way. And if you think that you have plateaued, Billy Wilson's been a great blessing to me since I've been his, his pastor. And one of the things that blesses me about Billy Wilson is he reads his Bible. How many times are you, what number are you currently on of reading the Bible all the way through? I'm sorry, say what? 70, he's on his 79th time of reading the Bible all the way through. How old are you, Billy? 79. 79. That means he started when he was one. <laughs> That's impressive. Once a year. Now, Billy, I'm going to tell you, you're 79 years old. You pastored for over 50 years. You know enough about the Bible. You know enough about Jesus. You don't need to read it anymore. Do you? Well, sure he does, because there's no plateaus. You don't get to the place. I wish, that I, I wish that I could convince some Christians that they hadn't had enough church. Right? I wish that I could convince some of us that we hadn't had enough shouting, singing, praise, worship, Prayer. I wish that we could be convinced that we have not attained some spiritual level where that's all right for them. They need that. Bless their heart. They hadn't obtained 
the spiritual maturity that I have. Well, let me tell you about this guy that when he was saved, God knocked him down on the road and appeared to him. The resurrected Lord did. And then he, as he sought the Lord, he was taken up into the third heaven and it was revealed to him mysteries that it was not even lawful for him to repeat. And after all of that and the miracles that God had seen in him, the apostle Paul said, I don't count myself to have already attained, neither were already perfect, but this one thing I do, I keep on walking, I keep on pressing for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I have not made it, I'm not perfect, I hadn't attained it, I'm still walking with him. I'm still walking with him. So there is the purpose of walking with him and the progress of walking with him. I got so excited I lost my glasses. If you wonder why I take them off when I preach, it's because they're so dirty I can't see through them. So the progress, there's progress when we follow him. Jesus was walking through Compartium one day and he walks by the, the desk where there's a tax collector that everybody hates and he walks by him and he says, hey, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. He went fishing with the disciples, Peter and James and John and Andrew, after they'd toiled all night long and hadn't caught anything. And he said, cast your net over on the other side. And they were amazed at the great uh, draw of fishes that they got. And Jesus said to them, Boys, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There's a progress that takes place, a progression, a destination in mind when we follow him, when we walk with him. And then this is the most important thing. It's personal. That walk with him is personal. You know, we read the first few chapters of Genesis and it gives, it gives the uh, genealogies. And with some, it just basically says they lived and they died. But a few have some... Uh, some extended stories. There's, there's Noah, whose Enoch's great-grandson, Noah, found grace in the eyes of the Lord and, of course, saved humanity. There's Methuselah, the oldest man to have ever lived. By the way, do you know who the youngest man to ever live was? Think about it. <laughs> There's no good answer. <laughs> Baby's the youngest, right? The oldest man to ever live. 969 years, Methuselah. There's some good points and some bad points, but the defining factor for Enoch, his identifying factor is this. He walked with God. What do you want said of you when they recount your life. 
you want to say they were a good preacher, they were a good Sunday school teacher, they were a good singer, you want to say they were a good business person, good teacher, good husband, good wife, good father, or when they pass by you, do you want them to look down and say, he walked with God. She walked with God. It's personal. Peter had denied Jesus three times, and the last time he violently, even with obscenities, and swore an oath that he did not know him. And he shut up in the same upper room where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, celebrated the last Passover with them. Same upper room where he said to them, you're all going to be offended of me this night. Peter said, not me, I'll go with you all the way till death. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. He's back in that room and Jesus appears through the locked door. Shows him his hands and the scars in his hands and says, peace and grace be to you. But Peter's got some unfinished business. So he's back up at the Sea of Galilee fishing. And again, they've fished all night and caught nothing. And they look, and there on the shore is a man saying, Children, have you caught anything? And Peter looked and realized it was the Lord. And he jumped. He's always jumping out of the boat, but this time he didn't walk on the water. Jesus wasn't on the water, he was on the shore. So Peter swam to where he was at, and he came up, and Jesus had bread and fish on the fire. He cooked them breakfast. And he ate and fellowshiped, and the other disciples gathered around. And then Jesus said, Well, Peter, let's take a walk. Let's go for a walk. Old nosy John had to tag along within earshot so he could listen to what was going on because he wrote about it. But when Jesus walked with Peter, he said, Son, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, Feed my lambs. Peter, are you sure that you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? It grieved Peter. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. You know why I think this is Brit's opinion. You know why I think Jesus had to ask Peter that three times? It wasn't because Jesus didn't know that Peter loved him. It was because Peter needed to know that he loved him. And he said, son, if you love me, let's forget about the past. And let's get on with the business that I've given you to do. So many men and women that have got themselves on spiritual probation because of some sin they committed years ago and they think God will never be able to use them, 
that God will never be able to do things, anything. But I'm going to tell you, if they could take a walk with Jesus, this song blessed me when I heard it the other day again. And one of the things that blessed me was when it says, God walks the dark hills, and it got to that part where it says, He walks in silence on down the highway. And it dawned on me what I mentioned to you earlier, that sometimes I can ride with my wife down the road, and we don't have to say anything. Just the fact that she's there is enough. And people will run all over the world to get a word from the Lord. They'll come to every preacher, every evangelist, every pastor. They'll say, do you have a word for me? I've got an acquaintance that whenever somebody runs up to him and says, do you have a word for the Lord for me? He'll take his Bible and he'll say, yes. Here it is. Everybody wants a word, but I'm going to tell you, if you've been walking with him, he can walk in silence, and it's all right. He don't have to explain to me where we're going. He doesn't have to detail every turn. He doesn't have to explain every step. If I can just look over and see that the one walking beside me has nailed scarred feet, nailed scarred hands, he can walk in silence on down life's highway. Because he's walking with me. I had a, a dear, dear friend by the name of Don Musgrove. Don was one of the most absolutely uh, musically talented people I have ever known. He was, he was just naturally gifted musician. One time he got his, his, got his hand cut with a chainsaw and he, he wasn't able to play. Incredible guitar player, still guitar player. Bass player, I was in revival with him when he had his hand bandaged. And he took the bass and just turned it up real, real loud and just corded it with one hand and would hit the cord enough with one hand so it would make the sound. He played the bass better one-handed than I could play, you know, with both hands. He got cancer in his shoulder. He was about 35 years old. He didn't want to lose his shoulder. He didn't want to lose the ability to play music. Tried to treat it. Went from bad, bad to worse. Don was such a wonderful person. He couldn't preach without crying. His heart broken. But they took him to the hospital and to do surgery on that shoulder. He reached out and he grabbed his wife Sherry's hand. And he squeezed her hand and he said, God walks the dark hills. He went to surgery and on the table he had a massive heart attack. And he went on to be with the Lord. You say, well, that didn't have a very happy ending. It does if you ask Don. Because the Bible says Enoch walked with God and he was not because the Lord took him. 
And Enoch walked with God, and I just in my own mind's eye, I like to think that one day when they got the walking, they got the walking along, and the Lord looked around, and he said, you know, Enoch, we're closer to my house than we are to yours. Why don't you come on home with me? And for every one of us that walk with God, I don't know the day, I don't know the hour, I don't know the when or the where or the how, but one of these days, I'm going to be walking down the road with him. And he's going to look over and say, Britt, we done got closer to my house than we have to yours. Come on home with me. It's my heart's desire to walk with God. If that's your desire, I want you to stand tonight.